you know. Nice. Like I said earlier when we were on mic, but not heard. <laughs> I knew something like this would happen. It's, it's, it's funny because I changed nothing in OBS. And obviously, OBS decided to change some of the settings. Because why not? Why not, right? Software, se- software well, sentient now. What? So. Exactly. And because it's a fireside chat with just me and Hawk tonight, it, it's like, you know what? Let's just throw everything at the wall, see what's working, see what's, see what sticks, you know? Anyway, this is Geeks with Kids, the, the most broken podcast, this side of the dreaming. Uh, <laughs> broken. It's working now. So we're going to be talking about um, Netflix's adaptation of the Neil Gaiman magnum opus. The Sandman, like yeah. it's very much his his baby. It's the it's the project that he could not, you know, just let someone to be like, you know what, we'll take care of this. We're we've got this. No, over thirty years to get it to screen. Like, and I'm glad that they didn't just, you know, take it and make it into it. They were gonna make it into a trilogy of movies. Could you imagine that? There's 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 five volumes of just. Neil Gaiman's work. <laughs> how, how, you, how, how do you, do, you do, that? do that? Oh, man. Anyway, so we're talking about uh, Salmon. It's the number one streamed show in over 80 countries right now as of the recording of this. Uh, what is this? August 22nd. So, you know, that's crazy. But like every show, we're going to talk about what's good. Hawk, I haven't talked to you in a while. So what's good? What's going on with you, man? Um, uh, just busy, busy. Um, you know, my day job mostly takes up all, all my time. Uh, my full-time staff's on vacation this week, so it's even more so. But, uh, yeah. I, um, not into anything. Let's see. Have I been into anything new or exciting recently? No, I've actually just been binge-watching old shows. Sweet. <laughs> well, you might as well talk about what show you've been binge-watching. I just decided to throw on community like I do every other year. So I'm uh, up to season six so far. And uh, yeah, I think we got a little bit of news. Yeah. Well, uh, shit. Um, I was going to bring it up in the news, but why does, we might as well talk about it now. Alison Brie was um, talking. Uh, oh, wait. No. So Alison Brie recently was talking about that. There were conversations happening about a community movie happening. And Dan Harmon, while doing press for, um, you know, Rick and Morty, which is coming. Six. Yeah, so he said that he's confirming. He confirmed what Allison said, that there's actually conversations and negotiations started for the movie. So, you know, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, kind of. The promise that was made so long ago, six seasons in a movie. I mean, like, God, it must have been, like, one of the first hashtags it was, that ever went viral. It was what? When, when did it end? Like, 2016? It's got to be like 2015, man. And that was when season the weird ass season six came out or was it season five? That was weird. Season uh, five, right? That was the non Dan Harmon year. Actually, Dan, Har- I, hasn't he been involved in all the seasons? No, he got booted from the show for one season and, oh, okay. and then they brought him I back. Know, <laughs> I know he was in five and six because I know him and Chris McKenna were responsible for a lot of writing that year. Or those two years. Um, so yeah, must have been season four. Yeah, let's see. What season was Dan Harmon? He was not on season four. He was replaced by Moses Port and David Guracio. Um, who who had created the show Aliens in America a few years earlier. That was a good show. Not community? You know, it's not really on the same 
it's sort of a different genre, so I don't know where they're like, eh. Uh, I mean, that's the weird thing about community is like, you know, the players in involved in the, you know, the whole concept of it. And that ended up becoming, you know, kind of weirdly great people. I mean, like Joe and Anthony Ruth, so were directors and co-producers on the show. Uh, wasn't one of the um, the Fast and Furious directors also on that? I, I I believe he did like all the paintball episodes for community. Oh, OK. Um. Community. No, I'm just gonna keep looking these things up on. <laughs> We're in a community loop, so. Mu yeah, community. Community. This is exciting. Like, you know, can you imagine what? I, like, okay. How are they gonna do this? I guess it's maybe a reunion. Oh. But that, with that my, yeah, go for it. My concept. It's on Netflix. Uh, it is directed by Joe and Anthony Russo. Could you imagine? Oh my God. They probably would do it too. Oh no! I guess the Russos did the paintball episodes i what am i thinking of oh justin lynn justin lynn did one oh, yeah yeah yep yep yeah it's it's you know like i said the it does not belie the kind of talent you know that it, that emerges from that show oh, you know it, it could even be an anthology episode like right or a movie right it could just take like different vignettes over oh i hope not actually you know they did that sort of with um arrested development in the last season and it sort of got weird. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Like, I hope, I hope it's good. Um, Dan Harmon is saying it's not a matter of if they're going to do it now. It's a matter of when they can get everyone together. Cause they got to bring back Ken Jong and the, I'm sure he's doing something. I don't know. The voice. Um, <laughs> um, what's his name? Joe McHale's doing, um, star girl, right? He, I see. He's always got projects. I don't know. Yeah. On, you know, like he, I think he'll, he, you know, I believe this is the kind of thing that, you know, they would make time for. Mm -hmm. Possibly, uh, you know, Donald Glover would be the hard one to get. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure from a movie, I'm sure he'd come back for it, right? I would I would hope so. I'm hoping I'm still hoping for the Lando series with him. That's what I want from Donald Glover. Bring me back. Even you know what? Bring give me a Han Solo TV show. Why not? Bring back. I I like I like that movie. It was all right. It was all right. Anyway, what else have you been watching other than community? Everything. Um. Oh. Uh. Well, I was gonna save it for my yum, but. Oh yeah. What's good? This is your yum. It's so good. All it's right. the same thing. We're chatting. It's. It doesn't matter. It's just us two, so we can talk about whatever we want. Okay. So my yum. Um. Since I didn't get around to watching the old man yet, uh, my yum for this uh week will be. Solar Opposite Season 3, which is now uh, available in, in its entirety on Disney+. Plus. Did you watch it all? That ending, Gosh, man. Yeah. Oh. I watched the whole thing. I watched episode 6 last night. Gargoyle Raygun was great. It's 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 so good. Like I, You expect that after the first season. You're like, okay, maybe the second season comes out. You're like, oh, it got better. And then season 3 is just like... The mini, the little people, man, that storyline. That fantastic. It's I just, know. it's oh, just incredible. This, like I that, said, I haven't seen the last two episodes. I'm hoping they kind of go back to the little people town. I can't, I'm not going to ruin anything there. All right. All right. Oh, let's see. What, what, what have I, what have I been getting into? Um, <clears throat> our D and D game is back. The, the, um, dead ice, which I very much appreciate. We haven't played in a while, although I don't think we're playing tomorrow. I should probably check our discord. About that, um, what else is there? Um, we have lower decks coming out on Thursday, which I am excited for. I still haven't seen it. Um, I know there, there, 
the Star Trek podcast that we're on is going to talk about it. So we'll save that all for Thursday. Um, Lock and Key released its third season and final season on Netflix, which is, you know, it's sad. Yeah, it's sad. I know. We've gotten to a discussion about, like, you know, shows coming and going well, like that, just all based on production. Right? Like, the whole... We'll get into the WB Discovery merger in the news. Um, other than that, I've been reading a lot of Sandman, um, which is nice because I haven't read it in a long time. And after um, watching the show and then I had listened to the audiobook on um, on Audible, they have two acts, act one and act two, which covers... Uh, I can't even remember where, it, where Act 2 ends. I don't think I finished it, actually, to be honest. I really should. It just came out a couple months ago. Um, but yeah, it's 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 all been Sandman. Sandman Sandman all the time. Um, oh, no. I also... The PlayStation Plus, the... the um, not the Essentials, the one, the extra one. I'm on the, on the second tier instead of the base tier. So I get a bunch of free games. And I've been playing a lot of fun... Not older games, but like other games stray like i talked about last time i've been playing dead cells which i had on pc but um i've been playing a lot on uh <laughs> on playstation 5 um uh dark dead souls dead souls the remake that's gorgeous and really weird compared to uh elden ring um and then there's no, wait, are you playing demon souls demon or? souls demon souls not dead souls okay the remake I the know. remake like I I know like that that company Blueprint like did such a great job with it and, uh, and people were asking. Like, I think it's called Bluepoint. Really? Is it? I thought it was Blueprint. You you're probably right. You know, to be honest, you're probably more right than I am. I'm very tired again. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, yeah, that it was like it was just like such an amazing graphical update to an amazing game. You know, um, people were asking like, why isn't there DLC in that? Well, they, it wasn't their job to write new content for it and that. It was no, to take what was there. And just like refine it for like you know the next gen platform. It feels like a current gen game. Like the, the the controls aren't funky. You know sometimes they remake these old games and they keep it like the old. I don't know if the old controls were this good too. To be honest, so I have nothing to compare. I really wish I played it like um you know remember when Shadow of the Colossus. The hell is that? What is what? I just heard a sound coming out from over here. Some like a wow. <laughs> Um, that's weird. Um, yeah, and uh, Shadow of the Colossus got a remake a, a little while ago, a, a number of years ago, and they made it a little bit better. But I remember playing the old one, and it was like, oh man, this is a this is a clunky ass uh, original game, but fun. Um, man, the new one is good. Um, I've also been playing Spider Man, Marvel Spider Man. Remember that on PlayStation Four, PlayStation Five? Oh, yes. It also came out on PC, I believe, last week, and. You know, it looks as good as just last week. That's... I think Tuesday. Yeah, of last week on PC. So um, they usually do a big um, release window um, after it. You know, you know, it came out on PS5. What a year ago? Wait, when did PS5 come out? A year ago? Two uh, years ago now? Two year about two. Oh right man. Now. It does not feel like yeah. there's been two years worth of games on the I PS5. Like two Christmases already that have passed, and this was not under my. <laughs> that oh, <laughs> but it's coming out now. I guess in more abundance. I I keep on sending you things like, hey, look, there are more yeah. stores with it. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they, I have it on PC now, and it looks as good as the PS5. It loads not as fa as fast as the PS5. Still pretty fast. Um, 
Um, oh, it was Robbie Monster following. That was the sound. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, um, thanks for thanks for the follow. Um, and then, you know, I have all. The, ooh, you disappeared. <laughs> there you go. There you're back. Okay. Sorry. Um, there's a lot of configuration settings on the on the computer that I really like. Like you can do custom ratios for the screen size and like it looks as nice. I wish I had a an ultra wide. My nephew has an ultra wide and he's been playing it on there and he sends me pictures and I'm just like, just what? <laughs> you can see like all of New York with Spider-Man swinging. Like it looks gorgeous. It's it's a very nice game. I love the game. Like I have the statue sitting from the original yeah. PS4 release just sitting on my desk right over here. I can literally reach it, but I don't want to accidentally pull out a cord and we already had enough issues <laughs> with this stream. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really like it. I haven't played it on my steam deck yet. I feel like it would make it explode, but it's, it's verified to play on there. Like God of war and, um, uh, horizon, um, not zero dawn. Yeah. Zero dawn. The first one. No, the first one. Okay. Okay. Forbidden West isn't on PC yet, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cool. All right. Oh, speaking of God of War and that, uh, yeah. pre-orders are, are available for uh, Ragnarok now. Mm, that's coming out soon, isn't it? November? November. Uh, you're going to have to get a PS5 by then. I know. Like, do you pre-order? Are you going to pre-order it? Are you going to pre-order for PS5? Wait, does is there a free upgrade for PS4 to 5? I imagine there has to be that. I know they're killing that program, so... Why would they do that? Because it's two years in and they need money for PS4 stuff. Well, then but make sure the product is in store. <laughs> That's what they're slowly doing. You can get it. Although you can't buy it at Toys R Us anymore. They killed all of their um, video game sections. I don't know if I said that on the news. Anyway, what other news do we have? Uh, WB and Discovery Merger is killing everything. Yeah. Another I, reason the world sucks right now. Yeah, so they're, they've they've killed off all their animated stuff in the merger they killed the background movie they killed the upcoming scooby-doo sequel and uh you know other than you know the animated stuff they've also killed off over 200 sesame street episodes and late night with elmo like all this it's a lot of children's programming which i thought is and strange just bas- all they're doing basically is just throwing available content into some sort of vault like they're <laughs> disney back in the in like you know in the 90s but they're also doing it so that they don't have to pay residuals to any of these creators which is a really shitty thing to do um i know w not wb discovery has a lot of reality tv and apparently you don't have to pay residuals to reality tv show stars oh no so it's all, that's it's all just contract and everything in that, you know, it's like, everybody's just glad to be there. It's all wow. cost cutting and all that shit. It, what a shitty, shitty way to go forward. Um, I, I think other than this, we'll just, cause I want to talk about, uh, Sandman soon. Um, yeah. house of dragon premiered last night on HBO max and it killed the HBO max app and crave and a bunch of other services that it was streaming on. Uh, you haven't seen it. Um, I watched it. I couldn't get on because it's crave <laughs> here. And I could not even sign in to the Bell Media server. You sent I, me. I, you sent me a message like I can't get into Crave. I don't know what's happening. I was like, I think everything died. <laughs> and then I checked it. And he's like, Yeah, everything died. Um, I thought, for some reason, I thought my account had been hacked. And yeah, you know, when I couldn't sign into it, and that, and then I just realized nobody was getting in. No, nope, nobody. It crashed. <laughs> like it was HBO's biggest de- debut ever. Yeah, and that's the another shitty thing is uh, Discovery's going to look at this and be like, you know what? 
It's not going to affect us cutting all of these things because we still have Game of Thrones. Oh, shit. I think we went off. Go off, boy. Oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. Hold on. Your light keeps on disappearing, which I think is hilarious. Uh, it's, just, it's when I swipe up on my keypad and that to switch apps and that it goes into this little, like, you know, uh, Windows kind of thing. So I think it's like removing my video every time I do that. That's weird. It, like, I, I don't even know if our Twitch thing is my... my... Yeah, we are. It's uh, just a spinny wheel of death right now. God damn it. I know. Reconnecting. <coughs> and we're back. Oh, no. And we're dead. All the way back. And we'll be back shortly. I don't understand why this happens, um, which is funny because I can still talk to you online, even though you disappear. <laughs> and then, oh, no, we're back. Like, it just OBS is like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to I'm going to. I'm not gonna show things right now. You have taken too you've taken too much time off. So today I'm gonna take off your audio settings and I'm gonna take off I'm gonna occasionally stop while you're talking. And yeah, that's what's gonna happen. We're back. So I'm gonna stop bitching about my internet connection because I don't know if it's my internet or OBS because I can whatever. We're back. <laughs> we are back. That's why I continue. Nice. <sighs> Hey everybody! What other things? There's no other news, right? That we're talking about. No. no. Talk about you know, discovery. We talked about discovery being shitty. That merger is garbage, and I don't yeah. care for it. You know, it's, it is. Uh, it is the future in that, unfortunately. They they also killed a um, Kevin Smith TV show that was going to be um, an anthology of DC Comics. So, yeah, I think it's it's called Strange Adventures, it, and there would be, like, Dead Man in it, and it would be, like, different, different you know, stories set in the DC universe. It would have been cool. I think that, that sounds like awesome things. And we were going to get all these new DC properties, so hopefully it doesn't kill this upcoming DC property that we're going to talk about, the Sandman. Um, I don't know if it's going to be part of that deal. It doesn't air on any of the WB TV, um, you know. No, no, I, you know, I really don't know how the deal worked in that, but, you know, the fact that it's on Netflix, it, it, you know, means that, like, basically anything DC related to it is verboten, you know? Which is great. Like, I know we had talked about they, them um, severing all of their, pretty much all of their ties from the DC world. Like, we don't go to Gotham, we don't talk about the Justice League and all of that. We don't see um, any of, like, Martian Manhunters in the... I can't remember which story was it the was it the crystal the ruby I, I can't remember right now I don't I can't remember I have to go back. I'm pretty sure it's that one because uh, they 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 can't they captured Justice League captures John D and they put him in Arkham Asylum so yeah, yeah. anyway which is, which is what you know what goes into the history of like Neil Gaiman how he first chose to wrote this if you know i would like to know because uh so let's let's talk about the show first so the salmon is a uh, tv show a fantasy television drama based on the 1989 to 1996 comic book series written by neil gaiman and it was published by dc comics as we had said uh, earlier uh this netflix show has been in development for such a long time and this series in particular was developed by neil gaiman david s goyer and alan heinsberg um, for the streaming service Netflix, as I had said, uh, for DC Entertainment and Warner Brothers Television. <clears throat> so hopefully that doesn't have to deal with the, you know, discovery stuff. Like the comics, 
the Sandman tells the story of Morpheus, the titular Sandman, and the TV show stars Tom Sturridge as Morpheus with a bunch of other people. Like, I don't even know, like, how we're going to go through this cast because it's incredible and ridiculously long. I guess the main cast would be Boyd Holbrook as the Corinthian, Vivian Achimpong as Lucien, and then Pat... I think a Chia Pong. A Chia Pong. She's phenomenal. Uh, and then Patton Oswalt as the voice of Matthew, because those are the four people that keep coming back. Um, there's a lot of guest stars co-starring. Um, David Thewlis is John D. Jenna Coleman is Joanna Constantine. Gwendolyn Christie is Lucifer Morningstar. Kirby Howell Baptiste is Death. Um, who else can we say is important enough? And it's Hob. Like, they're they're all like... Because of the way the story structure is, I, I feel bad not naming everyone. I know. Again, this is like kind of a, it's such a fantastic opportunity for a lot of up and coming actors, and that that they got like you know these great parts. Yeah, you know, like Claire Reyes, Rose Walker, like Alex. like we. I guess we have to say, um, uh, what's his name from Game of Thrones was in this. Oh, Charles Dance. Charles yeah, Dance. Very first episode. Like he he was in one episode, and like to use such a an actor of such stature in that little role, but that role is so key to the story of Sandman. That first episode was just blew me away. Um, I I, want to say more like Mark Hamill is the voice of Mervyn Pumpkinhead, uh, which totally threw me. I, we were talking to, I was talking to Hawk about this before we had gone on stream and I didn't look up the cast. So I didn't know who was in this. Other than the ones that they've shown in the in the trailer, like um, Joanna Constantine and Death and stuff. So when when I heard Merv talk, I was like, "Is is that the Joker? <laughs> is, is that?" And I had to look it up. I was like, "Holy shit!" Holy shit. My, problem, my problem is following Mark Hamill on Twitter and that, and everybody who else who follows Mark Hamill. On oh, that's true. I pretty much announced it before I got to that episode. Hey, I didn't. I. I've been so busy, so I haven't, I haven't. It's been so crazy. I didn't even get to watch all of this until the past couple of days. Um, oh man, uh, Derek Jacoby is in it. Arthur Darvill. Um, yes. Most of the cast oh, yeah. of the Audible, not most of the cast, but a lot of the cast from the Audible cast. Wait, most of the cast from the Audible story version of this ends up being in the show in one way or another. Like, um. Like David uh, David Tennant is in this, as well as his wife Georgia Tennant. Um, mm-hmm. We have um, Neil Gaiman, Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry's not in the Audible. Um, oh. He's not. I thought he was too, but he's not. James McAvoy is in um, is in this, and he plays Morpheus in the Audible version. Oh man, it's just like it, it's so funny. As I was talking to Hawk. Um, uh, James McAvoy has been the voice of Morpheus for two years for me. And then Tom Surge comes around and just like, he's perfect. He's just perfect. He has the stature. He has everything. Oh my God. I should, I should talk about the short summary of the, the actual whole series. Morpheus also known um, as, uh, um, you know, Oneros, the shaper, the shaper of form, Lord of dreaming, the dream King, dream sneak, the cat of dreams. There's a number of personifications that he goes by. He is dream and one of the seven endless and this, um, not God, but like a demigod, I guess they don't really, uh, yeah. And they, they, they don't say that they're gods, but cause they serve people, the endless it's, it's a weird, like deity type thing. 
It's all about the belief in gods and that. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, gods, they probably knew in ancient times that people still believed and probably died out. In well, they talk about that in Calliope, too. Right? Yeah. They are forms of, of, like, you know, gods that actually have, you know, still have, like, a hold in the realm of people. Because mm, they're, 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 they're sort of essentials in people. Right, like yeah. desire or um, despair. despair or death, um, destiny. Destiny. Oh man, we didn't even get to see all seven of the endless in this. We saw four, I believe. I think it was four. It was yeah. We got dream, obviously. Dream, death, death, desire, desire. We got and despair. despair. And no, that was, that was it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so Morpheus. Oh, you gotta leave something for season two, right? <laughs> oh, Netflix. <my> <laughs> Bring us season two. We'll talk about that at the end. Um, so he's captured during this occult ritual in 1916. And after being held for over a hundred years, dream escapes. And unfortunately he came with, you know, a, a bunch of his equipment, which got stolen and sold off. And then his, because he had been gone for such a long time, his realm, the dreaming fell into despair. So the, so the, the, so when you see the trailer and they talk about this, you assume the whole series is about him trying to get this stuff back and then him repairing his his home, his his realm. I don't want to say homeland because his realm is it's a very important term in the show. Um, but that really much pretty much happens in the first two or three episodes. Right. Pretty much. I mean, by the time, you know, John G's uh, part comes around, I think it ends in episode five. Mm-hmm. Um, he has pretty much reacquired everything in that and now finds himself basically like dealing with the aftermath of what happened to him. A, a hundred, you know, a hundred years in isolation away from everything. Yeah, I guess that's what the, the really the whole first series is. We we talked about how this series might be weird for people watching because it doesn't flow like of regular TV show. This is a graphic novel. So each story and each episode can sort of be self-contained. They did some changes to make things overarching. Like, yeah, they, they, they introduced the Corinthian a lot earlier and they sort of made him part of the, his disappearance. Um, yeah, I think, right. Oh yeah. I mean, like they, <clears throat> in casting, uh, you know, Boyd Hallberg as a Corinthian and that, I guess, you know, it, they wanted to have like a, an actor and a villain uh, cast that people could have throughout the run of the series. And, that. you know, it's, it's obviously an easy TV thing and that, you know, good versus evil and that everybody's got to have a hero and a villain and that. Um, I liked what they did with it. You know, they made some changes to the story, but all of this was under Neil Gaiman's supervision and that, and they really worked for television. Yeah. Because, you know, trying to do some sort of a straight adaptation of the comic book series, you know, it's like as soon as you get like within like episode or issue number five, six and that, it's going off in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes featuring the endless, sometimes they don't, you know, but it's always stories about, you know, humanity being affected by the endless in some. Form. Exactly. And I think that's really the 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 story of the Sandman in general throughout the whole run, it's how the endless are affected by us and how we affect them. There's sort of this uh, give and take relationship, the seeing yang relationship between them because they serve us and we sort of make them uh, alive because of our belief and our need in each of those things. I, I, I think Morpheus says it best is like, why, what would happen if you take away people's hopes and their dreams, right? There's just, it's nothing. It, it It's chaos. Um, there's some really crazy things when we think about the adaptation of this show, because they started adapting this back in 1991, 
That seems really early. Like, <laughs> kind of. I, mean, I know, but I mean, like, that's two was, years into the run. It was crazy, man. You and I were just talking about like how much this comic series had infiltrated popular culture mm-hmm. in the form of you know it's like Becky and Roseanne. Yeah, she had the the posters all in her room. Sorry, Darlene. Darlene? Yeah, Darlene. They wouldn't be Becky. (laughs) Um, And she was she would be reading the graphic novel on her bed and stuff. And which I obviously when I watched Roseanne when I was a kid, I did not know any of this stuff. I was eight in 1989, so um, you know I would not have known. Got to see the episode with Darlene's poem. Oh. (laughs) I, I watched it much later, but I don't think I, I even then when I watched it as a teenager, I don't think I appreciated any of Roseanne. I really e- even like when I watched Frasier, I did yeah. not understand what I was watching. I, I liked it because I thought it, there are parts that were funny and it made me feel smart. But I don't yeah. think I fully grasped it until I got older. <laughs> um, so the Sandman, they started to um, try to make this into a film in 1991 and it went into development hell. Obviously this is such a big project. Um, in 2013, David Goyer of, you know, Batman begins fame and all of those other comic book adaptations. He started to work with Warner brothers on bringing this to the screen as a possible trilogy. And Joseph Gordon Levitt, I remember hearing this, like he, he was very excited for the project. He he jumped on it right away and he was like, I'm going to produce this and possibly star in it maybe direct and i was like you know what i could see him as dream maybe totally um i haven't yeah. i don't recall his um british accent he doesn't seem like a tall person i always expect dream to be tall and lanky like a british man <laughs> so um i although i really like him as an actor so if there was anyone who at that time i was like yeah fuck he would obviously make a good dream um unfortunately he left the project in 2016 just you know there's a creative lot of creative distances. It, that's a long time. That's three or four years to develop a project and it go nowhere. Right? You can only stay on a project. It, it it's a good thing it didn't make it to the screen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As far it probably would have wound up at on the level of say you know uh, Avatar. Oh, I don't know if it would be that bad. I don't know. It's like if you know, I, I even if he's a big fan of that, you know, there would have been a ton of executive producers and that. Yeah, till 2013, and that studios had total control over the medium. Neil Gaiman yeah. probably didn't have as much of a hold on things. He like Good Omens was a good project for him because it really, it really brought him up there. American Gods also. Stardust yeah. was a film. I don't remember when Stardust came out, but that was also a very popular film for him. I think that was probably around 2013 or earlier. Maybe 2009. Let me see. Star. Michelle Pfeiffer, right? Yeah, and Daredevil. <laughs> uh, this was 2007. Holy shit. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was a lot of time before then. Um, so he exited this the pro- series. Definitely benefited by yeah. winding up on a streaming medium. I mean, like and, know, it took it took a lot longer than that, but like basically, you know, this was the best possible. Like, yeah, long form is oh, like way better for this, especially for the type of story it tells. When all the you know disconnected storylines coming together, um, even even in the graphic novel, like the trades. Some of the stories don't really, they do make sense, but they're weird, right? Like in the order that they're in, the, the way they came out and, um, oh man, it, it's so good though. Like if you want, read on the whole, it's so cool. Like the second volume, we were talking about this, starts off with the, um, the 
the story uh a dream of a thousand cats like can you imagine reading this and being like where did this come from just after um the vortex had been you know destroyed that was the previous episode the previous um storyline so you're just sitting there you're like the fuck where did this go oh wait sorry calliope came off after the vortex and then dream of a thousand cats in the in the in the graphic novel oh in the graphic novel okay so you're sitting there like what how did where did this come from (laughs) i mean you it really was a stretch of the imagination back then you know it's Mm -hmm. like you read these things you know for the stories that they were telling in the particular issue and that not for some sort of overarching plot line and that Mm -hmm. it's like you're not going to get that with this series you know Mm -hmm. you're going to get you're going to get minor characters you know nobodies in that who are somehow affected by the dreaming or by the world of morpheus and the endless uh and that's really the whole point of it. I mean, like, that's Neil Gaiman himself. He, mm-hmm. you know, the guy it literally specializes in storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and thank God that he's, you know, 100% in on this, his baby. Because, you know, he's had a touch in certain things. Like, he sort of oversue, um He didn't really oversee American Gods, but he, you know, he's like, you know, I'll come on, see some things and hopefully it gets the feel of American gods, even though that's my favorite novel by him. Um, good omens. He was very much on set. And because of the kerfuffle with American gods, he's like, you know, what? Good, good omens is his and Terry Pratchett's baby. So he had to make sure that it did Terry Pratchett, you know, did him well because Terry Pratchett right. died a couple of years ago. Um, God, I'd love his book so much. I hope my, I hope my kids like his stuff. Cause I'm waiting for the day that I can be like, Here's the color of magic. You should read this book. I think I was around twelve when I when I read Terry Pratchett the first time. Maybe ten. I I the Scholastic Book Fairs had him out, and I was like, "What is this?" It was like a wizard on a on a on a chest that had a hundred legs underneath, and they're flying through the air, which is the color of magic. The cover, the old one. I don't know if they still have that one. And I was like, "I have to buy this book, obviously, because Scholastic Book Fair." Um, and it blew my mind. This is where, and I'd already watched Monty Python, so I understood the British humor at this point. I was like, this is amazing. This is, this is where I won. And that's where my fantasy real love came from is from that. Even though I'd read Lord of the Rings beforehand, this was a different beast entirely. Another level, right? We should do a, we should do a Terry Pratchett episode. Oh, I love books. Um, I love Terry Pratchett books in, in general. Um, uh, to finish off this uh, Sandman story, it premiered on August 5th, 2022, obviously. And then they surprised everyone with the 11th episode just eight days later. Uh, or not eight days later, like 12, two weeks later on the 19th. And um, pretty much universal praise from everyone. Um, I think some critics are like, you know, it's it's paced a little weird, but, you know, that's the general Sandman Ask it's of it. It's even been criticized for hewing too closely to the source material, which I know. I don't understand that. <laughs> when I saw the, so I was camping. That's this is how I watched the first episode. I was camping, and I was out with my buddy Stu, and I was like, "Well, shit, we're in the middle of nowhere. I barely have cell connection. Like, I couldn't. I had to like raise my hand and <laughs> to get it." Um, I ended up like waiting forever just to download this off my phone so I could watch it on the projector that I brought so that we could watch Sandman that day. And then I killed all my data for this month, <laughs> which is okay. It was worth it, man. That first episode, I sort of want to rewatch this all on my projector because it's just, 
um i it it blows my mind that netflix productions have this level of production design although i guess not really netflix is as big as like most movie studios if not bigger now i think it's true and that but i mean you know it's like television shows are something they seem to do really well i mm-hmm. haven't been so impressed with netflix original movies and that so, you know i don't know if you once in a blue day. moon once in a blue moon i just watched day shift the other night oh i didn't mind jay day shift it's not what i expected but there are some fun i like i like uh, uh what's his name snoop dogg in it i thought he was good it's it's cheesy i mean i guess it's fun you know but mm-hmm. it's like yeah yeah this could have been something else it could have been better <laughs> but original television series is something they do very well mm-hmm. i think you know really like you know i think I, I the name i keep seeing is jamie childs up on on the screen every time and that so he must be like one of the guys who kind of you know basically brought that level of production to the series is it uh, is jamie childs a director yeah, you'll oh. see his name at the end of the episodes. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Jamie Childs um, not only has done Sandman, um, he's also done Doctor Who, uh, and he is going to be directing two episodes of the upcoming Willow TV show. Oh, okay. Cool. So, shit. <laughs> oh, he did his Dark Materials as well for HBO. That was a good show. I, I don't know if it's still going on. I never got, never got past the first uh, episode. Oh, it's 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 more accurate to the books. If that helps, the movie was pretty bad. Yeah, compared to the books. Um, I like the score though. Beautiful score. Um, you know what I didn't notice at all the Sandman score. To be honest, I don't I don't re- I don't remember it at all. I noticed it more in the second watch. I had to go back and check out a few episodes in that, especially the episode two in that, because that episode kind of took like the first big divergent from the the original you know co- issue it was based on oh imperfect hosts yeah yeah and it's uh, sort of the same the score really stands out but it doesn't it does its job so well that sometimes you don't really notice it. and that's a good right. that's a good uh sense of a score if it just keeps you in the moment and like i love hearing like things uh like like in star trek you hear a lot of like callbacks to old things and that's what star trek's for you, you get your bl- your blood pumping from the music and stuff but sometimes you need to be immersed in this world and i think sandman does that a lot because the only time i really remember the music is from the themes like from the theme song and that even then at that point it's very quiet and it's and it moves in this i watch in surround sound so it sort of moves from behind the forward so it feels like you're floating in this dream it's important because like a lot of this a lot of the episodes in that it usually revolves around some sort of like real there's a really painful moment for like like the characters in each episode you know mm-hmm. uh, in you know imperfect hosts and that like you know can't can getting into spoil i i think i think we're gonna probably spoil this um once we get into the episodes because i want to know about your favorite episode i want to know if things didn't work but let's talk about how you got into the comics into sam and neil gaiman in general um were you a fan from the beginning were you were you one of the people who were like oh shit this guy from running for dc's jumped into the sandman or you know what i like doc martens i wonder where this is all coming from <laughs> i had a lot of goth- there was a good goth community uh, back in like the 90s in hamilton and that. i was friends with like, quite a few mm-hmm. of them uh and in particular this one family you know uh they you know they were the family that were just into the nuttiest stuff you know it's like you know the father loved kate bush you know <laughs> uh 
They like you got the sons involved in you know playing fiddle and got them into like you know a lot of like traditional Irish stuff and that. But anyways, the goth stuff and that they were into the you know Sandman came up a lot you know as well as Preacher you know at the time. Um, but yeah, they were the ones who lent me the first few issues and that. Uh, and that's really where I got into it. Um, later on, there was always that the story collectors always stuck out in my mind because I think they introduced me to that. I ended up using that story back in university and that on a project I was doing in a fairy tale and literature class. Uh, oh shit, I took that class too. I like that class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was great. Anyways, the story of the the story of Red Riding Hood came up in it. Uh, and I ended up nice. in, a, in a visual presentation. That's cool. That's awesome. I don't remember much of that class, um, but I remember it being really cool. And I, 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 I was also in creative writing at that point. So at Mac, so I used a lot of what I learned in the fairy tale um, class in that class. So that was nice. Oh man, that was cool. Um, I, on the other hand, did not have a good goth uh, community in St. Catharines growing up. All of our dock wearing people were from um, people who were into grunge, right? Because that was also the thing then. We wear a lot of plaid, not a lot of black. <laughs> um, but still Doc Martens. I I always love that that look. Um, um, I didn't really get into Neil Gaiman until university. Um, and my friend Rachel, uh, she was like, you know what? You should really... Because I was taking the train into work. Um, she's like, you know what? You should read this book. And it was American Gods. He's like, this is one of my favorite books. And I ended up reading it every day on the train for like a... I think just one week. I think I've went through it that whole week. And it was... It blew my mind. Like, American Gods is such a good book. Okay TV show. <laughs> and... Um, and I was like, oh shit, I gotta read more of this. I'd, I'd sort of known Sandman from the DC Comics. Like, I was a big... Uh, I'm a big Superman fan. Like I love Superman. So I knew Sandman had uh, shown up in various DC comics properties, obviously because he is a DC comic property. Um, and uh, so I sort of known him. I, I definitely remember the visuals because Sandman posters were always in comic book stores. Always. Um, oh, the, would that like, be the ones the Dave McKean illustrations? That yeah. Do for them? For yeah. sure, the, especially the ones that are sort of like triptychs, where yeah. they have uh, Oniris in the middle. Why did I call him Oniris? I don't know why. <laughs> Morpheus in the so middle. Many names. Yeah. But to go to that one, it's such a random pull. Um, and then always, oh, it's, it's, it's usually him in the middle, like half of him and his star eye, and you know the thing. That's the one thing I wish they did in the TV show: the starry eye. They didn't really. Touch. A little callback to it in that in in Imperfect Host. In oh, is there? Late. When in, when he goes to the 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 sea of dreams and that, and mm-hmm. he, he sprinkles Gregory's uh, ashes. Oh man! The, you can see the reflection coming back as you know the starry eyes and that. Oh, I gotta watch that. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so I I ended up going and reading a bunch of his books, um, and a bunch of his comic books, including Sandman. But I also went through my bookshelf and I was like, oh shit, I have Good Omens, and it was like. My Good Omens copy is my most read book because I love that book because I love Terry Pratchett as we said earlier. And I was like, oh shit, this is my Neil Gaiman too. <laughs> and that's my Neil Gaiman um, thing. Um, I Man, but reading this for the first time, I was in my 20s when I read Sandman, like fully read it and really understood it. And That's a great time it, to read it. It is, it is nothing like anything you read, you've read. Like it's such a weird 
but cool and it it, it felt like it's it's very subversive yeah because you know, i mean like you it's it, it it's you, we keep saying dc in that but really it's like dc created the label on that for this kind of material which was vertigo mm. um you know because uh, they needed to do uh, something that could allow them that kind of free them to explore more adult issues yes uh, yeah in these series you know uh, which you know neil gave took full advantage of thank god um yes. it, it's still funny seeing um seeing like batman and robin show up in in these books are like um there's there's a good portion where he goes through the justice league trying to find out where his ruby is that's in one issue i think it's um dream a little nope not dream a little dream it's issue five or six or something like that in in the graphic novel with john d and that but it's well earned in that because like yeah from the story i heard is that gaiman was hired as a writer for dc for this label and that and they kind of gave them carte blanche to go through old characters from their back catalogs and that they were hoping to kind of resurrect for, like, you know, the 90s. Um, and he chose this character, Dr. Destiny, <laughs> in which to kind of backdoor Morpheus into it. Yeah. What, what's so funny John, is that John Diaz showed up in, like, Arrowverse and stuff like that. So it's not even his first live action. <laughs> Shit. No, but the character, I think, goes back to the 60s, you know? Yeah. This guy who uses the power of dreams and that through the through this uh, a red ruby um, mm-hmm. to you know change reality in that town you know, the you know justice league had a hard time you know he gave the justice league a very good run for the money and they ended up at imprisoning him could you imagine yeah. like just how 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 he took this this random ass character and then pulled it in he even brought in the original sandman from the old old comics like the you know the one with the gas mask and included him and included him into this story of morpheus like he had been part of the sleeping like all through the sleeping sickness he was you know affected by it too like man neil gaiman such a game though and that it's the interconnectedness of mythologies and that it doesn't matter how far mythology span around the world and that you know it's like a fight you know, as an expert in it, as like, you know, he's like, I think he has a PhD in it, uh, in like fairy tales and, and mythology. Um, and he, 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 this is, this is him exploring that, that background and that. He just inter, interweaves like mythologies from all over into everything and that. It's all interconnected. It's, it's the multiverse, you know, back in the, you know, <laughs> back in the day. Oh man, this is, it's, it's such a, and he and he took it and made it such a mature and like like he it was so varied and so well interwoven into his world like it felt real like you go to Gotham and they don't it doesn't feel like oh here's this weird gothic place that only appears in complex it felt like a real place a grungy real place that's why I guess they they picked Buffalo for it in, in the live action <laughs> oh man it what do you think about them sort of severing ties with all the DC comics stuff in the TV show. It's, it, you know what? I was, I was fine with it. You know, I didn't have a, a strong, in, you know, inclination for them to just like, Oh, it would have been, it'll been so much better in that if they had done that. No, I came into this for Neil Gaiman stories and that, you know, which 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, like DC, like characters showing up in the comics was just kind of a little icing on the cake every now and then, mm-hmm. but he had so much original content that, its exclusion was fine and it you know it freed them up so much and that you know and business wise it was pro- it was more than likely the right decision mm-hmm. i i know when i was watching the first 
couple episodes it's like you know what i wish they sort of kept some of the little things like arkham asylum and you know going to gotham but now that i think about it the more and like actually watch the whole series i was like you know what i didn't i don't want that at all i don't want them to go to gotham i like it that it feels like it lives in our world like it feels like, like it's real legally can you imagine how much how much of us would have tied their hands oh my god yeah i can't even i can't even yeah. imagine that they've they've already jumped through hoops just to get this i'm glad they brought john d into the tv show because i wasn't sure if they could bring characters that were sort of still part of dc yeah i know but again eh, you know <laughs> the big the big one in everybody's mind was uh john constantine and that mm-hmm. it, it, you know, but they found a good work around that. John yeah. D, they, they might have even lost the rights to that character. Who knows? Who knows? They didn't it, really care. Uh, yeah, so they brought in Joanna Constantine. They actually talked about, um, so they had Tom Ellis play Lucifer on the Lucifer TV show on Netflix. And then they had um, Matt Reeves play John Constantine through the Arrowverse and through the Fox. Was it a Fox TV show? The Constantine yeah. show? I, yeah oh i remember that it was like it was basically like their trying their adaptation of hellblazer yeah yeah and it was pretty good and then yeah, they're not bad actually and then they ended up um bringing him into the arrowverse because they liked the actor so much um and they had connected he and he sounded like everybody oh, thought john constant perfect even though i do right. love uh keanu reeves bring back his american oh. one i'd watch that shit um yeah they 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 ended up um, during the crossover events on Arrowverse. They ended up bringing uh, Tom Ellis in and having a cross with John Constantine. So we got to see that Lucifer and Constantine show up. Um, when they had started casting for this TV show, there was a lot of talks about having them reprise their roles, which would have been cool. Would have been cool, but I think it would have been weirder for Tom Ellis's Lucifer because he had this the Lucifer on the TV shows after he had left hell and the one we encounter here he's very much or they i'll go with they they're very much still in hell and and still he's very good angels <sighs> angels and demons are supposed to be genderless anyway yeah so they're very they're very they haven't left hell and they're very much still wanting to be in hell i don't know if that that's not i don't know if that's the right way of phrasing that because i don't think anyone wants to be in hell still you also get to see mazakin Oh, I guess I don't know. I guess he got bored. That's what that's what that's what Lucifer ends up doing is they they get bored and they leave and they want to experience you know Earth. And I really like the Lucifer run that Neil Gaiman did um, a long time ago. So when I watched the TV show, the Netflix one, I was a little weirded out because it was sort of different. But but great job. They ended up getting uh, Jenna Coleman to play Joanna Constantine, who shows up in the comics much later because we do meet um, her as. I guess not much, much earlier. Yeah. Um, I meant later in issues. Yeah. Um, Then again, earlier in time. (laughs) In earlier time, yeah. Lady Joanna Constantine was a figure from like the 18th century. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. Elizabethan era. era. And uh, man, Jenna Coleman. Fantastic as as uh, Joanna Constantine. And I wish, I wish we got more with her. She doesn't play much in the first, uh, in the first book. She doesn't even play much in the second book. There's there's like, that's the thing about these Sandman things. Like everyone keeps coming in and out of these stories. And I guess that's why you can get these awesome actors to do this. Oh, I know. It's like, you know, the, the Sandman as a series as a whole, it's a cast of like hundreds, Mm -hmm. hundreds of people. 
You know? Were there, were there so, standouts in this cast? Like other, in, well, obviously Tom Surge is phenomenal as Morpheus, right? He has Tom the posture. He has the, the voice. He... Boyd Holbrook was great as a Corinthian. Yep. Uh, uh, so, Tom Sturridge. Let's talk about Tom Sturridge. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk about him. He yeah. he is perfect. I, I I don't even know what else I can say other than he's perfect. He has the the voice of him. He sounds like Neil Gaiman, which is a little weird when I first heard him talking. Yeah. But, but it's it's that morose kind of disinterested, like, per, you know, like persona that Morpheus mm-hmm. is always. That low as. voice. Low, low. And sort of slower. Like it's it's calculated what he's saying, and it feels like that. And his his facial expressions, like the way he looks at people, especially in um in Calliope, when he's looking at the the author at the end, and he's like, he's you know he just wants to you know take him apart. <laughs> I but love his ironic punishments, uh, they're so good. You, you'll notice in the comics and that, like you know, his texts are always wrapped in the uh, our white text wrapped in the black thought bubble. You know, gives it an ethereal feel. Yeah, that and you know, sort of like you know, ominous and like almost death-like and that. But something you know, it's like you'd imagine the text of a god being shown as. Yeah, and he he sort of brings he definitely brings that out when he talks. I think so. There's something yeah. different about him, especially when the when you first he doesn't talk much in the first episode, like <laughs> because you know he's in prison and he. You'll see when when you watch it, but there's a lot of um, him baiting people. In that episode, um, and then Boyd Holbrook as Corinthian, just terrifying. If you if you needed someone to play a nightmare come to life, here you go. You got you got the person, a serial oh, killer. Perfect in that, you know, the spiky blonde hair and that, you know, just that swathy attitude and that. Oh. And he walks into every room and everywhere, like like he just emanates this persona, and people are just drawn to him. Oh. Duh wrong kind of people <laughs> yeah yeah well sometimes even like yeah the, you know, the yeah wrong. well yeah i know the, yeah. there was some you know but they can't they can't help it you know it's like he it's it's that sinister charm and he does so well mm-hmm. he really made this character his own uh what about vivian achiampong as lucien the librarian of the dreaming yeah that was one of the, one of the first big changes in that i liked her mm-hmm. you know she she was great you know just you know the fact you know she the the one who waited in that this character who never abandoned yeah. dreaming like which wasn't in the comics so yeah. so i liked that a lot and she brought a lot of um there's it was that voice of reason and that that caring that uh, yes. and she's the one that i guess sort of lets dream know that he's he can change as well i think that's yeah almost gives him permission to change in that or you know at least acknowledge in that that he has changed in that he mm-hmm. thinks he can get everything back to the way it was in that yeah right and as we find out, and that you know, she's been kind of picking up the pieces and that that he left behind for all those hundreds of years and that. Yeah. And it's like she never speaks out against him and that, but she lets time. him learn from his mistakes, so she knows that he'll eventually get to it, eventually. Even though there's some pain shift that happen. Um, probably my favorite line reading in all of Sandman in the TV show was fuck it, I guess we're going to hell from Patton Oswalt, the voice of Matthew the Raven. <laughs> oh my god, what a perfect, just a perfect 
was great. He was great in the role. I can see why they cast him in that. Yeah, but I gotta say, like, you know, he's doing, you know, he's one of those actors who may be in a little danger of being overused in certain, you know, animated talking roles. In that. Yeah, because you know, he's, he's an in, easy go-to, right? Because he's a, he's it's his voice and it, the way he delivers it. If you were like, oh, yeah. he's funny. Let's let's bring him in there. That's why he's in the Eternals too, right? I guess as Pip. Yeah. Oh man. Yes. But ah. but you know, I'm glad he. I'm glad you know. It's I. I liked him in this role as Matthew, and that it. It seemed perfect. Yeah. He he brought a lot of humanity to that role, which I really like. Like him saying like, I I'm pretty sure I was a human a little while ago, and now I'm a crow. Weird, I guess. Um. Oh man. And even when he doesn't want to do something, he still does. He does because well, you know. You don't want to upset Dream. Uh, David Thewlis says John D. I don't. I think the last thing I saw him in was Wonder Woman, when he played um, Ares. That was him, right? Yes. What a what a shitty ending of that first movie, and I'm glad he was in this because it totally, like he he was phenomenal in this. Twenty four seven. Oh my god. I fell in love with David Thewlis as an actor back in the 90s. He did this film for Mike Lee called Naked, and he played this, mm. basically just this nihilist in that who's out for a night in London and that, and the conversations he gets into with people in that, and the character he portrays in that film, I'm just like, I'd, I'd never seen a, an acting job like it. Oh, what was it? What's it about? Yeah, it, it's difficult to explain, but it is a young, it is this young nihilistic man who's just wandering through London and that, and getting into random interactions with certain people. Not, um, you know, he's basically on the run because he commits a very violent crime at the very at the beginning of the film, hmm. uh, and it's just he has this interaction with the security guard who thinks he's got everything figured out, you know, about you know his retirement and what's going to happen to him and that, and basically David Lewis's character just breaks him like within one night of talking. I have to check this out. You know where I know him from? I'm sure everyone knows this is why I know him. He was uh, Remus Lupin in the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how I know him. Oh, such a basic way of knowing someone. But he was good in it. Damn it. He was good and heartbreaking. He dies in the last movie, I think. Um, oh, man. Like, I, I want to go through all this cast. Is there any other standouts? Um, Jenna Coleman, we already talked about. Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer Morningstar was phenomenal. That was a Perfect casting, and I know it brought up a uproar. Um, I know my favorite Jean Baptiste Howell, uh, Kirby Howell Baptiste as death. She um jumped into my radar because of uh, the good place, she was on the good place the last couple seasons, and she was you know very good and you know warm and and heartbreaking. Where I know her from, no, where from Barry. Oh, I didn't know she. Was, oh, yeah, she is on Barry. I forgot about that. She's um. She had the funniest line I've ever. Like, you know, it's a friend's funeral and that, right? And she has to go up and start the eulogy process. And that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Webster's Dictionary defines death as the cessation of all life functions. Oh my god! No, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I also remember her from Killing Eve. Like she was yes. in Killing Eve, and um, yeah. I saw that after The Good Place. But in here, um, I know we're going to talk about favorite episodes, but I'm going to talk about mine right now, and it's her episode, the episode about death. Um, what's it called? It is called her black wings. The uh, the sound of her wings, and basically, uh, Morpheus is sort of you know he doesn't know what to do. His his kingdom is in despair, and you know he's also 
he's gotten all of his stuff, but at what cost? 24-7 was the episode right before where, you know, <laughs> Morpheus mm -hmm. finds John D. just destroy. Making wishes, making his dreams come true. Which is for everyone not to lie, and it just causes chaos. Um, uh, I That's also up there, but um, the sound of her wings, uh, Death, his big sister, ends up bringing him alongside him for a day. You know, just to see what he does, you know, what she does and to take her and her. Yeah, that's it in context. I mean, like with the series and that, like, you know, again, shot for shot, like, you know, the the whole thing where he she meets up with him at the fountain and the and the park at the picnic and he's throwing bird food <laughs> on the ground. You know what you get when you feed uh, pigeons bread, fat pigeons. <laughs> she yeah. Like but I don't their, know, their relationship was the relationship was a lot more it was a lot different from the rest of the endless and that they were a lot closer. Mm -hmm. You know, she was he's her little brother, mm -hmm. and I I'm pretty um the the three that are really the closest in those seven are her dream and destiny. Those are the three that were pretty much you know yeah tight knit. Um, and she knew that she had to do something to. You know, to bring him, he was, bring, he move him forward. He was obviously very sad. Like, he was mm -hmm. a little conflicted in that episode. Like, after he got his stuff in that, he had no purpose in that, you know? It's like he had gotten his revenge, he had gotten free, he had gotten his powers back. Mm -hmm. But, like, what now? And, like, what do I do? You know, what am I after 100 years away from, like, everything? And this is where he really learns that they there's this tender touch between the Endless and you know, humanity, like they, they feed off each other. This is where that yin and yang really comes into play. Like, uh, she, she shows him that this gentle hand that, you know, death is a part of life and it's, you know, it's terrifying for people, but she brings them through this important stage and it's an important stage for people to go through. You know, she's there. The she's, there. The, she's there at the beginning and she's there at the end and that she, she's, yeah, she's, and she's not, you know, she's not dour or, you know, uh, condescending or anything. She's, she's there to be a smile and, you know, to yeah. reassure them that they're going somewhere. They don't know where, a, but you know, it's somewhere. As she said, it's her gift. Mm -hmm. you know, she, it, you know, she's applying her gift to them and that, and it's like, you know, nobody wants, you know, nobody really enjoys it when the end is up and that, but she was so perfect in this role. Like internet haters, you can go to hell because like when she got cast, people were like, "Oh, she doesn't look like the comic book." I was like, "You know what? Wait until you see her on screen." And she was like, "It was heartbreaking how much love she she cared for all these people." Like it, I don't, I don't like. I was wispy eyed the whole time because you see her go from person to person, and you know she takes her time with each of them because they she knows that it's their last moments. All that violin. At the beginning, oh, the first one, I was just sitting there, I was like, oh, and I guess this was the clip that they had shown on the internet, and Neil yep. Gaiman wrote, this is why we cast her. Like, this was the scene in the audition. Could you imagine? <laughs> I'd be bawling. <laughs> I'm thinking about it now, and I'm just getting teary-eyed. That, that episode destroyed me. Like, it oh, was, I know. It was, considering, like, you know, with, like, one, her second last uh, collection of the day. Oh, the baby. Uh, oh... Even like, I, they, like and there's no easy way to show the you know the death of an I, on screen and that, but I'm yeah, so happy they, they did it. A way they did it, and like yeah, it was uh, it, it was heartbreaking, and like I had a like I had that choke like that my my throat was like getting 
verklempt. And I was just like, if I hear this mother cry out, I'm going to just die for the rest of the episode. And they didn't. Thank God. Thank you, directors, whoever did that, because it was it was a tasteful way to show that. Even the the honeymoon where the guy's like, I have to I have to get my wife the, the code so that she knows all the flight information. And she's like, you know, it, it you can't. It's 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 already done. Oh man, don't worry about it. <laughs> it it'll be fine. Oh my god, that oh, I really want to show my wife this show, but I know that there are parts that she's not gonna oh, yeah. jive with. Like she doesn't like very gruesome things. And twenty four seven is probably one of the most horrific feeling episodes I've ever watched of anything. Existentially, it's so creepy in that to watch people interact with each other in that with uh, without the ability to filter their thoughts and that or, to, mm-hmm. you know, as uh, John D puts it, lie in that, you know, which you find out it's actually quite a gift to, you know, be able to possess. Well, you, well, I think it was Dream. He said that it's not that you're taking away lies, it's that you're taking away their hopes, right? And, and, and then he shows them a world, he shows them a world where you know it, what what each of these people are hoping for like what why she's being so nice to these people oh man that's such a good episode too it's hard to pick one but i think i think the sound of her wings is my favorite is what's your favorite one i know we were talking about uh, cast but now i talked to i fully talked about a full episode i know i told you like the the new one was my favorite it was really it's really good that. but the one i was really impressed with was collectors <sighs> They did such and a good they, job. And basically how they handled the whole idea of the convention. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, can we get... Yeah, we have... Why I spoiled the whole episode. We're all spoiling. This is all spoilers. Spoiler, spoiler. So the crux of the show basically, or, you know, kind of ends with the convention and that. The serial convention portrayed in, like, yeah, that's that that uh, arc and that uh, involving the doll's house. Um, where... Basically, serial killers meet up in that for a convention where they, you know, meet each other using their super cats, as they say in it, <laughs> and uh, you know they get to interact and you know they do they do convention they things and they yeah. they learn from each other, and yeah. you know what the God's hammer I, I don't do this, <laughs> I, I do what God tells me to do. I was like, oh, that reminds me of that creepy Matthew McConaughey movie. Um, mm, what was it called? Frailty. Frailty. Oh man, that's such a good movie. Directed by Bill Paxton. Oh shit, he's also in it. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and the Corinthian is uh, brought in as a guest host in that after the Family Man, the original guest host for the convention, uh, failed to materialize. <laughs> he was dead in a swamp somewhere in Louisiana. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which leads to the final conflict. But I was really worried in that because this is one of the this is one of the scariest stories in that he explored in that I mentioned about like. You know the big bad wolf and that analogy and that that's the mm-hmm. that's the little thing that leads into the whole serial com- and you get to meet them all in the comic and that and a lot you know, it goes into so much detail. I'm glad they. I'm sort of glad they, they didn't toned, go. They toned it down quite a bit, but not yeah, not, not enough to not make it creepy. They kept in just the right amounts of stuff, you know. <laughs> just yeah, but it, they really it really it, you know, I think it, they did an excellent job pulling it off, and especially with the end. You know, the final conflict between Morpheus and uh, the Corinthian. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think I know a lot of people are saying that the, it should have been a little bit more epic like the comic book. But I like the way that they, it, they ended it and the way he interacted with the collectors afterwards. Uh, 
great, you know, because he basically, yeah, he took it. It's like in punishing like a serial killer in that, it, like he did, it, he took away their dream that they're the tortured victim in their own like little fantasy worlds. So they knew what they were doing and they felt everything, all the pain that they had caused. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was. It it this show is so well done. Like the way that they could take these stories and adapt it enough and keep it honest to the the comic enough that it is this a perfect mix between the two. It's 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 crazy to to think that we're in a time where you can basically take a full comic book and just put it straight on screen without it, you know, being weird. And oh, it it it's so good. It's, you know, it's a near miracle we got it. You know, to in the first place. You know, and that it is as good as this. Mm-hmm. What did you um think? So, like I said earlier, they had dropped this special eleventh episode. It was a ten episode. They announced it as a ten episode series, and all of a sudden they're like, you know what? Extra episode. Dream of a thousand cats and Calliope. Um, the first two issues I had I had said earlier of the second volume. Uh, it's- was so uh, this was awesome of them to do in that because like it, it you know you hear like two different titles in that right um and you're what it realizes is that this episode plays closer to the actual feel of the series you know mm-hmm. where you could just basically you pick up an issue in that and you're reading something on that that may might have something to do with morpheus might not you know he always shows up at some point yeah yeah, but he's, not, yeah he's definitely not the protagonist in the story yeah you know and that that alone really made this this extra episode feel like the Sandman, you know. That it's like an anthology, right? There's stories that it's about the dreaming, it's about Morpheus, but it doesn't always have to be centered around that person. Yeah, man, Dream of a Thousand Cats, you know, stylistically Ooh. going with an animated style. Mm-hmm. It I didn't still felt natural, but it was so good. It, was... you know, it, it, it really. You know what it made me recall was. Uh, the animated version of Watership Down I saw years ago. Oh my god, the nightmare one? The nightmare-inducing one? We were talking about having a, a movie night at my house <laughs> and outside. Maybe I should do Watership Down. They gotta oh, get traumatized, everyone. Oh. <laughs> I watched that as a child. I'm pretty sure I was their age. <laughs> I have a friend of, uh, from high school. Uh, I interacted with her like on Facebook a couple years back, and uh, we started mentioning Warship Town. She's like, "I cannot hear that scene theme song without crying," you know. And I was, oh, the Carfunkel of bright, bright eyes. Mm. So, oh. oh no, 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 no. Uh, the dream. I, I send her links and that to the. To the You're mean. <laughs> so, Dream of a Thousand Cats has an amazing. This is the one I was talking about earlier that has a lot of the Audible cast, um, but it has Sandra O oh in it. She's not in the Audible cast, but she should be. Rosie Day. Um, so, Sandra O oh is the prophet. Rosie Day is the tabby ca- uh, kitten. David Gaiassi as the gray cat. Joe Lysett as the black cat. Neil Gaiman as the skull crow. That's the one thing I missed was. In the Audible book, it's narrated by Neil Gaiman, so you constantly have his voice in your ear, and he's just like, thing. like I would have, I don't know how they could could have done that in the TV show. Yeah, it wouldn't work the same. I don't think in that. It should be it. it should be Morpheus narrating, so it would have would have had to be Tom Search. That's why he talks like Neil Gaiman, I assume. No, <laughs> um, uh, uh, Neil Gaiman, uh, James McAvoy, who plays Morpheus in the Audible cast, he plays the Golden Hair Man in. Dream a Thousand Cat, David Tennant as Don, Georgia Tennant as Laura Lynn, Michael Sheen, who plays um, 
uh, Lucifer in the Audible cast as Paul, Anna Lundberg as Marion, Nonzo as Nancy as the Wyvern, Diane Morgan as the Griffin, and Tom Wu as the Hippogriff. Oh man, that cast so good. That, like you were saying, um, when you watch, it's the closest in style to the graphic novel. Like it feels like it was drawn the same way ish, without it being a straight rip off of the comic book. No, the animation was superb. Um, the story, it, it was so chilling, you know, and yet it was such such depth to it. Did you see what Neil Gaiman wrote on Twitter? Um, no. So, so many people have been like, my cat is entranced oh, by this episode. And Neil Gaiman's like, I don't think all these cats should be watching this episode. Because <laughs> the premise of the episode is that um, because of dreams. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, it's your episode. So basically, these cats are all escaping their homes one night to go out for just a... a, They all seem to be meeting, and they all congress in this park and that to listen to the words of this one called the prophet, the Siamese cat, that shows up to tell her story. And she tells her story about how she was a kept cat, you know, in a nice house with, you know, what she thought were nice people. And they fed her, and they comfort her and they kept her warm and that and she fell in love with a tabby outside her home and that they had congress obviously <laughs> and from that came some beautiful little mixed kittens <sighs> but as the owner as the as the husband said the it, that she was a prize winning like you know papered cat and that and these were just little bastards and that so he took all her babies away from her and put them in a sack and threw them all into the river there's this episode of Tom and Jerry. I don't know if you've seen this, where where Tom where Tom and Jerry go to hell, heaven and hell, and uh, because you know how they treat each other, they go to hell. And yeah. in heaven, the first thing you see is this wet bag roll open, and a bunch of kittens come out. And you're like, oh, that's cute as a child, but as an uh, adult, you're like, oh, oh, <laughs> yep. No mistaking intention in this one. Nope. Uh, they, did, they did it well, but it's it's just like you're sitting there with your hands cupped over your mouth. Yeah. Ugh. Water ship down memories. Um. So yeah. After that, she she le- she leaves and she basically goes on a journey and finds herself. She wants to know the why this is, why the cats have to put up with this from humans. Mm-hmm. And she takes a journey through the land of the dreaming. Until she finally meets the Dream King himself in his cat form. Yeah, we get to see three different forms of uh, Dream in this episode, in this series, and that's awesome. She asked Morpheus why it is so, and, that, and he said it was that a long, long time ago, and that that cats were the dominant species, and that that cats were much bigger than humans, and that humans would basically would tend to them like you know, twenty four hours a day, but would also be their prey at night when they went out hunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Until one day, uh, um, someone rose up within the ranks of the humans and that and said that it did not have to be that way. And they used a power of a thousand dreams, merely a thousand people dreaming the same dream in which they were the dominant one. Mm-hmm. And it all came to be true. So this cat goes and tells the story to cats all from all over the world. I don't know how the I don't know how that works, like with air airfare and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Things were different back then. <laughs> But she is trying to inspire a, a thousand cats to dream the same dream as her and that and take back what was once theirs. Oh, man. Oh, man. Let that sink in. 
And the way the episode ends with that kitten that you see at the beginning of it in her basket, still tired from the night before, and her owner's just letting her sleep and marveling at how cute she's being in the hut. But you oh. can tell from her dream. She's eating she's people? Dreaming. <laughs> she's dreaming of the time when her the time when her peop when her kind are the dominant and can hunt man again. So good. So good. But it's not just one episode. It's it's two stories in this one episode. That second one, so good. Second one is so good. Go for it. It's yours. It's yours. Right, Calliope. So, Calliope has to do with an author. Um, what was the actor's name? The one to play he Arthur Darvill. Arthur Darvill. He was also in uh, the Audible um, cast of of uh, the same man as William Shakespeare. He plays a frustrated artist in that who is collecting a gift to bring to another writer such as himself, Erasmus mm -hmm. Fry, and that it's a trade. And he is trading Erasmus Fry for his possession, which is one of the muses, the youngest of the muses, Calliope. Uh, mm -hmm. He has been her prisoner for many, many decades. Heartbreaking. Um, yeah, he keeps her locked away in a room even though he doesn't have to in that because she can't leave him until he releases her. The Erasmus trades him, trades her to this writer. What was the writer's name? Richard Maddock. Richard Rick Maddock. Rick Maddock. <laughs> he takes her and takes her to his home. Even and she uh, she begs him to release her, and that that she will. She only bestows her gifts on people who who she wants to, mm -hmm. and that even if he does keep her prisoner, and that she's still not going to help him. <sighs> uh, but that doesn't that does not change his mind, and he keeps her anyways, and he ends up forcing her to help him become. Like, I'm I'm. One, the most uh, successful author on the planet. I'm very glad we didn't see how he forced her because it's very much apparent yeah. in the graphic novel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They intimate at it, you know, in yeah. the series and that, you know. The series has been so tasteful in the way it's portrayed, it, you know, some of the, like, the, the more violent and graphic the, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, should I continue? Yeah, 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 man. So, um, no, or, Calliope had begged the fates to help her in that, but they could not. Because of the laws. Mm -hmm. That she was bound to this man no matter what, and that no one could help her in that. And her husband, who she fathered, who she mothered, who fathered her child in that, Orpheus. I hope we get into that story. I really hope they get into that story in that. It was told really well in the Sam mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um Dream cannot help her either because he's imprisoned. This goes on. Her relationship with this with this man unfortunately continues for a year, for a few years on, until one day she sees in a paper about how people are waking up from a mysterious sleeping sickness, mm -hmm. and realizes that he's freed now. But she and yet she dares not hope that he comes to her in that because their relationship ended so badly with the death of their son. Yeah, yeah, and yet he does. He appears, and he helps her in the most spectacular way. Yeah, her, his punishment um, for Richard Maddock, who just wanted ideas. Yeah, so he's like, I'll give uh, you all the ideas. I love that they did this. Like, the ideas started spewing out in this talk, like his TED talk that he was doing in front of all these students. Because in the graphic novel, he's he's just on the street when everything starts spewing out. So he's like, he's just going crazy on the streets. But doing it in front of all these students was so well done. Oh, great. Um. Because yeah, I hate absolutely hated this character and that because not only is he imprisoning this you know this a goddess in his in his house and that, imprisoning a woman 
he's also purporting himself to be like you know a, a god's gift to writing well not just god's gift to writing but he also fashions himself after you know as being a very woke author in that you know oh yeah movie deal about how the cast has to be 50 percent, you know you know with like ethnically divided doesn't he say at one point i i would say i'm a feminist myself yeah and i was like oh oh it was so gross it was very gross it's a very <laughs> very gross character uh uh, but uh, yeah, the way they portrayed it was fantastic, especially at the end with him and the, the ideas coming so fast and him trying to like it. I didn't know if he was trying to capture his ideas or just stop them from coming at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you find him in a stairwell on that with his fingers bleeding because he couldn't find a pen. <laughs> oh. All good. It's all good. Okay. Uh, um. Yeah, but um, I I love that she ends up tricking him to reading out the name like Morpheus because she can't call it him, but, but uh, Richard can. Oh, I love the way they did that. And that way he took the name, threw it into smoke and that thinking that's the last of this and that and the smoke itself basically was the name released into the, into the world. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, Morpheus came and they were, and they reconciled to a point. Right. And they, um, like we were talking about this off mic is that they actually made the ending better. Like when, when they reconciled because again, she says that he has changed and he does change. That happens in the comic book, but she sort of resides herself in not helping humanity in the graphic novel. She just sort of goes off into the world and then she's like, I don't want to, we, we're not going to meet up again. Her and yeah, which makes sense. I mean, like, you know, it's like she, the way it works is that, you know, artists were, to, were slaves to the muses and that, you know, there's, there's a whole expression about it. I'm a slave yeah. to my muse. And yeah. And yet she experiences these two relationships with artists and that that were basically where she was a slave. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, but she decides to, you know, help out humanity in, in the, like ha- having seen all the atrocities that have had happened to her. She soon, she knew that it would also happen to other people in the real world. And she wanted to inspire humanity for better. And that she would actually, you know, once again, later, eventually fully reconcile with, Dream, which I really liked. I liked that a lot. That was a good change. Oh man, that that's such a good, what a good present for for Sandman fans, right? Two weeks later, you're. I know a bunch of people that have watched it like two, three times the series, but to have an extra episode and just be like, you know what? You we we appreciate you, fans. Neil Gaiman, gorgeous. Thank you for doing well, right that. Right now, I'm hoping the fans appreciate what we have in that and are going to be, you know, diligently working on that to ensure yeah. that we have more in the future. Yeah. So uh, Neil Gaiman today on Twitter or recently on Twitter was someone had asked him, you know, when when do we hear news about season two? And he's like, you know what, Sandman is a really expensive TV show, and even though the show has been number one for two weeks, two or three weeks now. Netflix is waiting until the first month of uh, you know, viewership is done because they want to see if it's worth it for them to bring back because, you know, they have a really good show. They could just stay with this one season that was really expensive and still get people to watch it again because they know people are going to watch it a number of times. But mm. if the viewership is good, I'm going to watch it again a couple of times um, yeah. before, you know, before. Maybe, not maybe uh, throw, throw out a few hashtags on Twitter and that, you yeah. know, save Sam in. They def- it's already come to that point in that. Yeah, like locking, like said, lock and like key we earlier. About earlier. Yeah, we were talking about it earlier in that. It's like the it, 
this even like even streaming services it's like are no guarantee that the show you love is actually going to be saved or going to be on there forever Mm -hmm. anymore yeah who knows um hopefully there's some way we can save infinity train in some sort of digital or some means the technology existed yeah exactly um but for netflix um sandman if you do, you haven't watched it, watch it, watch it a number of times. I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to try and get my wife to watch it. Um, do that. I think she will too. The first episode, I was like, I think my kids could even watch it. The first episode's not scary. Um, it, it just builds the world. Like, yeah, but then they're going to want to, you know, it's like, what? then they're going to watch more. I was watching 24 seven when my kids came downstairs to talk to me about something. And I was like, I paused it. And I was like, you cannot watch this. You can't watch this episode. Oh yeah. You cannot watch this episode. Not in this. You're going to get nightmares. And there are things I don't want to explain right now. <laughs> please, please leave. Please leave children. They're like, but, but, but I, I want to watch it. Like, no, it's flat out. No, show, daddy. <laughs> I saw wonder woman somewhere. No, God, no. Um, uh, was there anything else like, like off the top of your head that you that you really liked about the show? What are there things that didn't work out for you? Um, hmm. For, probably towards yeah. the end, in that they might have focused on characters, secondary characters, a little too much. But they did that in the graphic novel too, right? That's true. Like, because you know, I went back and reread like you know part of that, and uh, it's like the cat, the the roommates really got a lot of like screen time in that. Yeah, I don't remember them be- doing being that big in the graphic novel. Well, in the graphic novel, they really did a great job illustrating the dreams and that that they were having. Yeah, like Chantel and Zelda and uh, Kevin and Barbie, and that uh, you know really like you know, all that stuff. Like you know, Barbie's like old you know, Dreamland was pulled straight from the comics. Yeah, yeah, I I did not expect them to do that because when I saw it, I was like. That's really good. They they did it. And she didn't look like Barbie from the, the real world. So I, there was sort of that little, a little bit of disconnect. I don't know if it was just because it was far away. They they did this thing where everything wasn't like fish eye lenses, but they did some weird perspective things. They did a lot of vignetting to make it seem very ethereal, very dreamlike. So yeah, at like times it was... Haze, right? Yeah, it, it, the production design on the show was so good. Um, it, it, it was, but it was also, it made me feel uneasy at times, which is good for the show, the, the way that they shot things. Cause it felt like things were like just enveloping me. I think I said that a number of times this episode or things would be like fully surrounded when, when you first see the, the pro the gates of, um, dream of the dreaming, it felt so epic and big. This is one of those shows that I wish, you know, sometimes they put like TV shows in the theaters. Like they're talking about doing that for, for the Lord of the Rings, the, the premiere for the Lord of the Rings yeah. show. I know. It's one of those shows. It's like, if you can watch it, cause it is letterbox and that. So I mean, like if, when you're watching this, you know, make sure you find the biggest screen. You can watch it on the, you know, the sharpest screen too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 I agree. 100%. Um, oh man. It's what, what are you looking forward to? Are, are you hoping for, season two like what are you hoping for in season two like i don't even know how they're gonna do the second season like i don't know what would be the encompassing story i mean apparently a lot of stuff happens in season two and that especially yeah. it's hinted at, at towards the end and that azazel yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah 
Yeah, yeah a lot of the thing. stuff with the devil, I, I can see them going that way. Um, there is apparently going to be like a war in hell. And I think, yeah, actually, I, I, if I remember correctly, Luther ends up fleeing at some point. Yeah, he goes to Earth. Starts yeah. a bar. <laughs> with Mazikeen. Um I, yeah, so basically, I'm looking for a, a return of certain characters. Not you know, Lucifer definitely, and that Joanna Constantine could show back up. I I want her to come back. If not, I want her to have her own TV show. That's what I want. Um, the oh man, um, <laughs> they they I I want to see more one offs like um, Dream of a Thousand Cats and Calliope. Because you know, that's the one thing that Salmon has plenty of mm-hmm. anthology. Uh, eventually. Eventually, I would love. I know this is this is a dream, and I know it's a dream, but I want the um, show about the dream. So, how impossible can it be? They did a um overture. I think it was called the Sandman Overture. Sandman Overture. Yeah. 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 Like to celebrate like the twenty fifth anniversary or something like that, and um, it was it was seven issues. And each one was about the endless, like a different one of the endless. And I, I know that that's a, you know, probably many seasons later or something, or even this season. Like I, I would love to just see something like that. Oh man, like they have so much that they can do. Like they, like, like, like I showed you earlier. Like um, they have the the Corinthian like mini series that talks about his time on earth too. Like that would be cool to see. Like yeah, we only we... bring back a few of those, like just for kicks and that. I mean, plus, yeah, you're right. We've got the end, the rest of the endless to meet and that, you know, we've already met desire and despair and that desire was a amazing casting, by the way, desire. Phenomenal. Um, I don't a know. Cheshire, a Cheshire cat blank. Staring at. Oh, oh the golden eyes were terrifyingly creepy. And, very uh seductive um <laughs> the um the spare i wish i saw more of they didn't really show her and she sort of didn't seem to like it's supposed to be despair and like self-harm and all of that stuff um and i didn't really get that from her but we didn't really see her so i look forward to seeing more of her um yeah we have, like we haven't met we haven't met destiny yet i wonder who they're gonna cast for destiny Oh, I really hope we get we get a season two, and it's really up to fans like us and fans like the people that are listening to this to watch Sandman over and over and over and over Do again. Um, and if you Break that algorithm, and Go if on. you need s- some more Sandman, check out the Audible um, books. There's Act One and Act Two. Um, I can't remember what what uh, books Act Two um, do, but I'm pretty sure it's the second. It ends on a Midsummer's Night's Dream. Act One ends on Midsummer's Night's Dream. You know what? If they come back in another two weeks and it's like, here's a Midsummer's Night's nice Dream, I'd be like, okay, just just keep on giving me random like one-offs. Oh man, and more Neil Gaiman in general. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what other things they could do. They've been talking about um, doing so many of his different properties, like Graveyard well, they, Book and they stuff. That's right. So I mean, like, I, 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 he's he's had to try out a few homes and that, like, to try and get his media like to the you know, screen and television and everything like that. So mm. he seems to be doing okay. Pretty good on, on Netflix so far. Not, like if it's the good omens is on prime though. So, um, I think both of those, I think he really found a, a place in streaming cause they seem to be giving him his, um, his freedom to do things properly and the money to do it, which is yeah. also very important. 
Oh, Man, the talent, the talent, the talent. I. <sighs> who else can they? Oh, you know what? Who was who surprised me in in uh, Sandman? Remember the therapist from Ted Lasso, the second season. Oh right, right. Wait, wait. Was she? Did she play the the one in John D? Yeah, she was the drive. She's the one who's driving John D. Right. Okay. I thought she looked familiar. I sat oh. there and I was looking at her. It's like, why does she have an American accent? That's not right. <laughs> she was also very good in this. Oh man, I was so scared for her that whole episode of because like, in the comic book does does he not kill her at the end of that? I, I believe remember. so. I believe so. But I like that he gave her the. The amulet. The amulet, and it's just like, go off. Now you won't get hurt. And I was like, that is... protect you from everything now. Which is weird because John D in the comics never had any humanity in him at all. So to see that little bit, I was like, oh, am I supposed to feel something for John D? I feel weird, I feel weird doing that. But I like this actor. So, oh, man. Oh, man. I can't, I can't wait. I'm going to watch this again. 100%. I can't. I can't. Yeah, 100 times. I'm going to yeah. watch this. And then, and then I'm going to watch Top Gun. I'm just joking. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's a sip for us, right? That, that's, oh, I think, what, we, I think it was a good, we covered everything. I think, like, I don't know how much more I could, I could, I could gush about this forever. To be honest, this has been, that, that we're in an age where <laughs> this quality of TV shows, something that is out there and that something so niche back in the like 90s I, I don't know if it's niche it was very popular it uh, was popular but it wasn't like millions not mainstream popular. right no it wasn't definitely that was some mainstream but like it was enough of it was out there that you know it, it kind of it showed up it, it washed up on your shore at some point it's like them making an Eternals movie oh oh <laughs> read the Neil Gaiman run of Eternals and you'll see how the Eternals movie could have been done properly god damn it God damn it. All right. <laughs> but back on good things. Sandman. Phenomenal. Watch it again. Watch it multiple times. I wonder if I could show my kids the dream. The cats. I can show them the cats one. Oh, no, please don't do that. That's fair. You're right. You're right. I'm not showing don't them any of this. I'll wait. I'll wait until they're older. Until yes. they, they, they can appreciate this. All right. Well, thanks, Hawk, for coming on and talking about this. Ah, oh, this is such go. I hope the rest of the guys watch this. As a, we didn't say this on scene, but we're the two that were jumped on this right away, and we're like, we have to watch this. We have to talk to people about it. Um, you know what we didn't say? We didn't say Paper Girls. Watch Paper Girls two on Prime because we need a season two of that. Oh, that was not <sighs> my yum the last time. We yeah, it was. Talking. Was but yeah. you hadn't finished it at that point. No, I'd finish it. Did you? Oh, shit. Okay. Well, watch Paper Girls. Watch Same Man. We need season twos of both of those. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye. You can send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekswithkids. Follow us on Twitter at geekswithkidscn. Check out our pics on Instagram at geekswithkids. And you can find all of this good stuff on our website at www.geekswithkids.ca. So if you like what you hear, why don't you hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.